This is Silicon Valley Tech Behind the Scenes, a podcast hosted by Sean Flynn and Sunil S. Ronka. Here's where we talk to the real heroes to find out how decisions are made and how they're executed to create the thriving businesses of tomorrow. So first and foremost, being a CXO in an organization and thinking automation, that's the first big step that we encourage people to take. Because often automation comes with a lot of roadblocks, mainly in terms of people, because it requires change. Automation is a synonym to change, and all of us don't like change. So the fact that you are thinking automation, that is the first very big step, because coming top down will definitely help. And that was Rishabh Parmani, who is the co-founder and executive vice president, customer success and operations at Automation Anywhere. Automation Anywhere frees people from repetitive manual tasks by making end-to-end business processes more efficient and productive. They have built the world's most advanced digital workforce platform, which combines robotic process automation, which we will go into great detail today, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and analytics. With over 2,000 partners, including Microsoft, Google, Amazon Web Services, and Salesforce, Automation Anywhere has operations in almost every country in the world. On today's show, we talk about Rishabh's journey, helping to found the company, why the company waited so long to take outside funding, and how they even grew to the size it was without taking any capital, what was the decision to finally take capital, what does the future of customer service look like, how to have a more efficient workforce, all this and more in today's episode of Silicon Valley Tech. Now let's go right into the interview. Rishabh, thank you for taking the time today beyond Silicon Valley Tech. Your career is absolutely amazing, but before even starting your career, let's go back. Was there any part of your childhood that shaped who you are today? Any story or event that particularly stands out in your mind that you share with us? I think from childhood, obviously, first half of my life, I lived in the city of Mumbai in India. And uh, what I can tell you is, from what I'm doing today, a lot of my interest in early days of my life in the technology, doing something new, I was always interested in looking at, you know, shows that come on TV, we would show some creative technologies, innovative stuff. And that has always intrigued and that sort of led us to do something different uh, 16, 17 years ago when we decided to start automation anywhere. We wanted to break that barrier to automation where people were feeling, you know, tired of doing the same thing again and again. And people have tried to solve that problem many different ways and we decided to take this approach and fortunately that worked out. So the passion for new type of technologies and believing in something that people haven't done before, that part of my nature, I suppose, has helped me be here today. I'm grateful to that. Now, can you tell us about your career and actually give us a little bit of background on Automation Anywhere, why found in that the last 16 years? Sure. From my career point of view, my first job was with a company called Siebel System, which was acquired by Oracle in the CRM space. And after that, right after the financial crisis, somewhere in the early 2000s, four of us who are four founders of Automation Anywhere, uh, we used to live in Bay Area back then. And uh, we used to meet often and we decided uh, we are thinking that what can we do to in this time uh, to obviously help the organization realize benefit quickly, break certain 
norm that people are generally hung up on and stuck to from a progress point of view what can we do from a technology standpoint then those thoughts eventually came together in the form of the rpa technology as we know it today which allows you know anybody and everybody to automate processes you know do things which are otherwise done manually in a mundane repetitive manner and most importantly you know from an organization standpoint realize the benefits much faster right after my first job you know we started this uh, organization automation anywhere for our first founded this company and uh, obviously it has taken many many different uh, turns along the way we saw two financial crisis and every time it came automation anywhere came out stronger and we are in one of the biggest ones so far and we are fighting our way uh, to that as well and hoping to get even stronger after this so rishab you said civil system for a few getting together in bay and trying to do something different in this last 16 years what was that aha moment which made you believe that what you are on a journey which is going to be a significant milestone in the history of silicon valley i think there were many many aha moments it was all relative the way i said basically the first aha moment was when we started the company we put up our product on the website and launched it and obviously four of us felt extremely good that product is launched we made it to the website with pricing e-commerce all set and our ceo said that i want to be the first one to buy it off the product from using my credit card from the website so we said okay fine let's go and have a lunch let's celebrate it and we'll come and you go ahead and do the you know first inaugural purchase for automation anywhere and what we see after coming back from the lunch which was right across the street from our sort of garage where we used to work is some gentleman an organization in australia they downloaded the product tried it you know at less than an hour and they bought it So obviously, our CEO was number two. He never could be number one, unfortunately, and that can never change. And that obviously gave us that first boost of confidence that this thing works. Because you can do all the efforts, everything, you can build the product, you can have self-belief that this is going to work. But unless you have a customer validation, nothing matters. right and in less than an hour of uploading a product if somebody buys which is thousands and thousands of miles away that gives you a tremendous set of confidence so that was the first aha moment in a very very small environment small company that we were back then so you talked about all positive energy any dull moment in this journey many i mean far more than positive to be perfectly honest with you because there were days you know when you are in early days when you wanted to release the product soon and because we are so focused on quality and if it doesn't live up to our expectation we'll say okay fine we'll take the hit but we'll release the right product those are tough moments right when you're sitting on it for a month or two customers are waiting those things there are moments when you're working hard and hard harder where you want to close that bigger deal but obviously customer has certain expectation and obviously sometimes in early days as a small company you don't have all the answers so those are quite challenging tough times to crack that first big deal and get into that next sort of a stratosphere as a company going back to the challenges your company went its first 10 years self-sustaining whereas here in the valley The first thing most people look for is outside funding. Was there any kind of conversations going on in those early years of guys we should go out and raise capital to venture fund and let's get out there or what were the decisions behind being self-sustaining for that long of time? 
So honestly speaking, we realized the, that what we have done is quite unique when we actually were in the process of raising the first funding. And everybody came and said that, how did you even survive for 15 years and manage to grow the business and stay profitable? So until then, we were just head down thinking that this is how it should be. This is how it is done. And obviously, a lot of the credit goes to Mihir, who is our CEO, who's been in the industry far longer and he's been part of many other growth stories. So he's always been watchful, very prudent, very smart about the investment and the returns that we get from it. And obviously, all of us share the same mindset. And we were just, you know, our focus was always on making sure that we could fund the growth for the next year and the year after that on our own. And if we have a business model to do that, um, then only in certain, you know, unforeseen circumstances, we would be forced to go to, you know, external funding. And fortunately, that didn't happen for quite, quite many years. So it all worked out. Automation Anywhere has broken all the norms, profitable, sustainable for 10 years. And then you took in the funding at the later stage of the company. How does it feel? Is it really a dream or reality? I think when you are in it, it never feels like a dream because you are always working, struggling, you know, trying to do more. You rarely have a time to even realize that whether it's a dream or not. Every now and then, and I would say that now and then comes probably once in six months when we all get together and say, let's look back and see where we are. And that honestly rarely comes because of the very tight schedule. But when you look back and sometimes the memory is so faint, I can't even remember what actually happened last year. Things are moving so fast. Automation Anywhere has more than 1,300 global partners, has operation in 90 plus countries. With working with so many different people and culture, literally from entire world, how does one or should one look at the customers or customer services? Yeah, I come from an engineering background. I was a computer science engineer by degree, and that's how I started my career even in Automation Anywhere. But over time, I realized if you don't have the mindset to think like a customer and what they need, how they need things, then most things don't really matter as much. That mindset we have shared in the founding team and the early employees that we have hired over time, always have the customer first mindset. And that, if you think from their lens and their viewpoint, most of the things that you do, internal processes, how you hire, how you spend, how you build, how you serve, all those things fall in place. And that's what we've learned over time. So whether you have five customers, 50 customers, five countries, 50 countries, 90 countries, that mindset at the core of the organization has to exist, whatever that is. And when we built this organization from day one, we had one of the four core values, which was customer first. We have it across all the offices and most of the walls. We need to make sure that every new employee that we hire understands that core value, customer first. And more importantly, our customer should know that this is one of our core values. Our partner should know this is one of our core values. And when they see it, that these guys talk one thing and they actually act on the same thing, that is what inspires the most confidence. Them as a customer are investing in automation anywhere. So fortunately for us, from four employees to 2,000 plus employees, we've always ensured that DNA of customer first mentality always exists, no matter how big you grow, no matter how many products you have. And I think that has paid dividends for us big time. And that helps us obviously define our customer service processes, customer success processes. It just comes naturally. 
right? You don't have to fight for that. It just happened. Rishabh, over the years, customer relationships had to have changed. Can you give us a little background on your experience of how those relationships have changed? And more importantly, I'm really curious about your thoughts of post-COVID-19 and what we should expect or see or how businesses should look at customer relationships moving forward in the coming years. Sure. Obviously, from the early days when you start a company, the relationships, depending on the investments from customers, do take a natural course of it takes a natural course from you know being tactical to being strategic. In recent years, given you know relations with a lot of these large organizations, be it banks and be it a lot of pharma companies, manufacturing companies, the level of investment that they have in automation anywhere, and especially the Michigan mission critical processes that they run, it is part of. It is a core part of that. They plan the strategies around the automation and obviously automation anywhere plays a big part in it. So naturally, the level of engagement that we have with them is far more strategic. There are a lot of decisions that we take jointly in terms of what we are going to do together over the next you know, two to three years. And this obviously COVID-19 situation has brought us even together because even they are looking for advice, guidance, recommendation on what is the rest of the world doing in automation and asking, you know, seeking that sort of guidance from us as well. So this is a very good opportunity for us to learn how different industries and different verticals, you know, responding to this pandemic, adopting their automation strategies and allows us to, you know, take the best of the breed and share with the rest of the customers. So everybody benefits. And I see, you know, our customer relations growing even stronger. And it's more from a customer vendor relationship, it will become more and more of partner in the journey type of a relation because we are all in this together. And if we can help the organization to get even more benefits and more returns, obviously the nature of relation will definitely change. And these days, obviously, it's in every, you know, PX goes top of the mind on how to do how to implement an automation strategy and RPA obviously is always in the forefront. So automation and AI is key for workforce of future. Can you share how automation anywhere's technology is adapting to be more relevant for the readiness for workforce of the future? Yes. So the way we have approached our technology stack Essentially, the whole value proposition of Automation Anywhere is that you can create a digital workforce for future because the answer to every problem cannot be people doing it because there is only so much time you have to process certain amount of information. And no matter how fast we do it, people cannot do it in certain amount of time. Plus, there are always possibilities of errors and you know compliance and all sorts of things. So the heavy reliance on a people has gone away. So people are thinking, you know, how to get more and more digital. And obviously, this current situation that we all are in has even made it more inevitable, right? That unless you are digital, the companies can get wiped out and we are seeing it in front of our own eyes. So what we did several years ago, almost six, seven years ago, is we looked at the entire RPA landscape and we saw how how to best fit a digital workforce sort of a mindset category from an organization point of view. And we shaped and mapped our technology stack to that. So if you look at any shared service operation, right, you have majority of the people who are doing things, who are processing data, you know, I would say let's 
let's say let's pick 70 to 75% of the people are just doing things then there are 15 20% of the people who are applying intelligence judgment you know tribal knowledge and making sense out of the processing that the 75% of the people so there's a lot of you know intelligence that goes in a lot of judgment call that goes in a lot of knowledge that they have gathered over years and then there is a bunch of people who are running all sorts of analytics and insights and help business take decisions based on all the processing that happens in the shared service so this is by and large the profile of an operation center so what we thought is if you can map your technology to these three sets of people then that's your digital workforce this is a human workforce if you have a corresponding digital counterpart to these guys then together the human workforce and the digital workforce will have a far better super so for that 75% of the people our technology is rpa which does exactly what you tell it to do in a much very very robust way error free non stop 365 days a day a year no questions asked no breaks nothing the other 20% is your iq board which is a ai piece which sits on top of the rpa which does lots of you know unstructured data lots of intelligence built in a lot of learning built in from different customers and your other data that you have thrown at it and it takes so you don't have to rely on people's judgment call and then the third piece where it all comes together which is bot insight platform which is an analytics platform so it's looking at all the bots in your organization how it's working what kind of application is touching what kind of returns are happening operational level business levels and that is core part of our portfolio and obviously if you combine that this is a whole back office operation and then if you combine that with the front office solution which is your attended solution where you are interacting human in the loop sort of an approach human bot collaboration it completes the entire portfolio right from the front office up to the back office the pieces that connect the front office and the back office and that's how we looked at this space evolving many years ago and that's how we started shaping our technology and all our investment in those technologies are now paying off because the challenge with technologies you have to invest ahead of time and sometimes you can be right and sometimes you can be wrong and many times people get it wrong so there's always that fear and fortunately the way we thought it would evolve for most part it evolved that way and the concept of digital workforce people appreciate it it's very easy to adopt that that our portfolio that we have and people the organization can plan based on that and now in fact the discussion are shaping that way that okay i'm going to i'm going to have my increase in workload next year by about 30% how many digital workers will i need and how many human workers do i need to add and that's where we want the world to go because you can't just have all the discussions about adding people because it just inherently slows down the overall operations so there has to be a digital side to it and this digital workforce solution that we have which provides all the elements it basically brings it all together wow now there's just too much information to have this all in one episode so stay tuned for next week where we're going to continue with this conversation. We're going to talk about automation and AI. Is this the key for workforce in the future? When there's major outside events, what is the best way for a company to adapt itself to survive and to put itself in a position to thrive? And post-COVID, automation, how is it going to help companies get to the next level? We're going to be talking about so much next week. So stay tuned for more of Silicon Valley Tech. Thank you for listening to Silicon Valley Tech Behind the Scenes. To find out more, contact the team or to be a guest on the show, 
visit our website at siliconvalleytechpodcasts.com. We look forward to hearing from you and remember to support the show by leaving a review to encourage us to keep creating great content like this.